And then turning to our gospel reading from Matthew uh, chapter 13, we'll read verses 24 through 30, where Jesus is telling the parable that's called the parable of the wheat and the tares. And then as he explains it, starting in verse 36, Jesus put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field, but while everyone was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared as well. And the slaves of the householder came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? He answered, An enemy has done this. The slave said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he replied, No, for in gathering the weeds, you would uproot the wheat along with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time I will tell the reapers, collect the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Then he left the crowds and went into the house, and his disciples approached him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. Jesus answered, The one who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world, and the good seed are the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are collected and burned up with fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels and will collect out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all evildoers. And they will throw them into the furnace of fire where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of God. Let everyone with ears listen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Oh Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I've heard it said that there are two kinds of people in the world. Those who divide the world into two groups and those who don't. <laughs> the parable in today's scripture seems to do that, but does it really? Well, you remember I've said that uh, a parable can be described as an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, and that's a pretty good definition, but I also read another one from a preacher called Presbyterian named Frederick Beekner this week. He said a parable is a small story with large meaning. Our reading from Matthew tells us one such small story with a large meaning. The former plants good seed, but by night an enemy plants bad seed. And when the plants come up, the farmer, the farm crew, 
that's what we were called slaves today. Farm crew asked the boss if they should, you want us to pull up the bad stuff? And he says, no, because you'll uproot the good along with the bad. So the good and the bad are allowed to grow together until the harvest and the weeds are harvested, burned, and the good weed is gathered in the boss's barn. Well, that's the story. It helps to have a little bit of, uh, a little bit of history and a little bit of botany to understand this parable. What the enemy sowed was darnel or cockle. It's a noxious weed that closely resembles wheat and was plentiful in Israel. The difference between darnel and real wheat is evident only when the plants mature and the ears appear. The ears of real wheat are heavy and so they droop but the Darnell stands up straight. And so then at the end, it's easy to tell them apart. The problem is if you get the bad weed in with your Darnell, it can be, uh, it's noxious or poisonous. It can ruin your wheat crop. So you wonder, well, how likely was this to happen? In those days, that kind of agricultural vendetta was done so often they encoded that into the law. There was a law against sowing bad seed like that. When the disciples asked for the parable to be explained, the parable turns out to be an allegory where each part stands for something. And Jesus tells the disciples what seven parts stand for. First, that he's the sower of the good seed. Secondly, that the world is the field. And thirdly, that the good seed are the children of the kingdom. Fourth, that the weeds are the children of the evil one. Fifth, that the enemy is the devil. You know, there are a lot of folks who don't believe in the devil, but they sure act like they do. <laughs> it's a, there are a lot of times people say, well, I don't believe in some creature with horns and the way it's always described and portrayed in cartoons. But that's, uh, even people say, well, that's, I don't believe in a devil like that. They do believe in evil. You can't watch planes get shot out of the sky. Innocent people just going about their business. In fact, a bunch of them go in an AIDS conference to help people and not know that there's evil in the world. Or you can't see a lot of other things that go on and not believe that there's a force of evil, whether you call it the devil or not, there's still evil around. And that's the enemy. And then the harvest is the end of the age, the end of all time. And the reapers, well, not the, the farmer's crew, but the angels who will do the reaping. Well, questions about why evil or the evil are allowed to prosper, that kind of question is ancient. <clears throat> the prophet Jeremiah protested, you will be in the right, O Lord, when I lay charges against you, but let my case, let me put my case to you. Why does the way of the guilty prosper? Why do all who do treacherous things thrive? You plant them, and they take root, they grow, they bring forth fruit. You are near in their mouths, yet far from their hearts. Here's a condemnation. But you, O Lord, know me. You see me and test me. My heart is with you. Pull them out like sheep for the slaughter and set them apart for the day of the slaughter. Much of the 37th Psalm deals with the 
prospering wicked. That psalm starts, do not fret because of the wicked. Do not be envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. And if you read the book of Job, when he makes his speech along the way, that's where his complaint begins. Why do the wicked live on, reach old age, and grow mighty in power? So that's an old complaint. It's a continuing complaint. And that's part of what this parable deals with, is the business of how come good people have hard times like everybody else, and bad people seem to do real well sometimes? Well, some of you are on Facebook, and you know this already. And for those that aren't, I'll explain it. When you put a photograph on Facebook, the machine, uh, the program invites you to you want to tag the people that appear in the picture. And they have, uh, they have such good face, facial recognition software, it'll even draw a box around your face and say, you want to tag yourself? Or anybody else that recognizes. And when you say yes, it'll put your name there so when somebody scrolls over it with their mouse, it'll say, well, that's Brenda Norris in that picture <laughs> at the beach or whatever. Well. As we read the parables of Jesus, or any other Bible stories for that matter, I think it helps to tag ourselves. That is to see who it is in this story we identify with. Now, Facebook won't let you identify yourself as one of the faces there. But in the Bible stories, we may be like a number of the characters there. As followers of Jesus, we're like the workers who are ready to pull out those nasty weeds. And like them, we'd like to uproot the good, we'd be likely to uproot the good as well as the bad there. Kind of like in Ann's garden. It's also easy to tag ourselves as the good seed. Ooh, all of us, we're wheat, right? But most of us are willing to admit that we're kind of a mix of good and bad. It'd be easy to think of people as only good or only bad, but even pretty good people can be kind of bad. I'll give you a Bible example. You remember when Jesus began to show his disciples that he had to go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed, and on the third day be raised. It's one of several times before he got to Jerusalem that he told them what was gonna happen. Well, at this point, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, kind of saying, oh, Lord, you shouldn't be talking like that. He said, God forbid it, Lord. This must never happen to you. But Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. So even Simon Peter, who becomes a major head of the church, a major preacher of the, an evangelist of the church. Jesus told him, called him Satan and said, you're a stumbling block because he was not listening to what Jesus said. So all of us have some of that good and bad in us that we need to look at. One of the thing this things this parable tells us is that everything opposed to the gospel is impermanent. 
is not going to last. It's destined for oblivion. One way we can misread the parable is to see ourselves as the good guys with nothing to worry about since we're bound for heaven. But in a lot of ways, each of us is kind of like the crop in the parable. We need to find ways to uh, weed ourselves out, to, to purge our lives. The other thing about this parable that tells us is that the judgment will come at the end, and it's not for you and me to do the judging, to say, well, every once in a while I've seen uh, in the paper, and you have too, folks who decided that, you know, they wanted to serve the Lord, but only in an advisory capacity. <laughs> and they would, uh, I remember it, uh, there was a funeral of someone prominent in Raleigh, and there were protesters there saying which people they were sure were going to hell. Well, Jesus sends there and tells us, it's not for you and me to judge. That the good from bad will be separated. But who will sort it out? God Almighty will sort it out, not you and me. And God will sort it out in the fullness of time. Thanks be to God. May God, who knows us and loves us, who calls us and saves us, bless us with vision to see, faith to believe, and courage to act. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.